Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles, go into the book of Joshua today, Joshua chapter number 14, uh, Joshua chapter number 14 today, and uh, I'll give you just a few thoughts here out of Joshua chapter number 14, and see what the Lord has for us today. I had all intentions of preaching uh, out of Psalms 99 this morning. I've been working on a message uh, on the holiness of the highest out of Psalms 99, and uh, man, I'm going to tell you something, there's some great, great things uh, in Psalms 99, but the Lord just kept bringing me back to Joshua 14. I actually preached out of here last night um, there at Meadows Baptist Church, and um, the Lord just brought me back into this again even last night and through the night and early this morning, and I want to give you a little thought here out of Joshua chapter number 14. Now, the main points that I'll give you um, when I get to them here in just a few minutes, I've used before. Matter of fact, if you write in your Bible, You'll remember probably 10 or 12 years ago here at the church I preached a series on Give Me the Mountain out of Joshua chapter number 14. And uh, I'm going to use some of those points again today when we get to the main part of where we're going to. But stay with me. I'll give you a lot of things in the introduction that I've never dealt with before. Let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. Joshua chapter number 14. And I want to pick up reading in verse number 7. Joshua chapter number 14 in verse number 7. The Bible said this, Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnai to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely uh, the land whereon thy foot hath trodden shall be thine inheritance uh, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly uh, followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, uh, as he said, these forty and five years, uh, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Look what he said in verse number 12. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day from, uh, or for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. And the Lord say, as the Lord said, look with me in verse thirteen and fourteen. The Bible said this, and Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephni Hebron for an inheritance. Now know what he said in verse 14.
13. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jethni, the Kenzite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Again, he said this in verse number 12, in the beginning part of it. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us today. God, you know the very need of the service. And Father, I sure thank you for the sweet presence of the Lord that we felt. God, the devil's tried to fight, but I sure am glad that you said in your word, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And God, I thank you for the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit of God today in our service. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we try to preach your word this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to rightly divide it. God, I pray, Lord, that the people wouldn't hear me, that the people wouldn't see me, but God, that they would hear and see you through me this morning, God. Father, Lord, may we make a clear application from your word and apply it into our lives. God, I pray that you'd save that sinner closest to hell today and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I'm going to preach to you out of chapter number 14 here in just a couple of minutes, but let's review and figure out exactly what's going on in the life of Israel right here. When you come to the book of Joshua, my personal opinion is this. Joshua is one of the most action-packed books in our Bible today. If you love to read about action, read the book of Joshua. Man, there is so much going on here in the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, a new thing takes place because Moses dies off the scene that has led the children of Israel for years and years and years. And now Joshua steps up on the scene and Joshua takes over and begins to lead the nation of Israel. When you study in Joshua chapter number one, it starts this way. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua. You'll find out that in studying Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy that God had been speaking to Moses. But now that Moses is dead and gone, God begins to speak to Joshua. I want to say this to you this morning. God has always and God always will have somebody to lead his people. God's always had a man to take care of that. Whenever you begin to think about it, whether it's here in the book of Joshua where Moses goes off the scene and now Joshua takes over or whether it's in the life of Elijah when Elisha follows him or whether it's in the life of Paul when Timothy follows him, God has always had a witness and God always will have a witness. You know, I thought about this in the life of Joshua. This was probably a time in his life, a time probably of fear. He's wondering what he's going to do. His mentor, the one that he's looked up to for all these years, is now dead and gone. And it's up to Joshua now to lead the nation of Israel. And can I say this to you? God is going to use Joshua to lead Israel to a place that Moses never even led them to. Can I say this to you this morning? Anywhere where God has 
a plan, God will always have the provisions to take care of that plan. And boy, we see that here in the life of Joshua in the book of Joshua. You remember the story back in Exodus chapter number 17. You remember that Moses is in a battle that day. Anytime that Moses lifted up his arms, the children of Israel would prevail. But anytime Moses' arms came down, the children of Israel would begin to lose the battle. And you know, we hear a lot of preaching about two people right there. One of them is Aaron and the other one is Hur. You see, Aaron and Hur lifted up and Hur was a man that was named Hur. Okay, it wasn't a Hur. I'm just not referring to a Hur. I'm referring to Hur. All right, it's a man, Aaron and her, lifted up the arms of Moses that day and they would prevail. But any times his arms came down, you would find out that they wouldn't prevail. And a lot of people talk about the great job of Aaron and her that day. And you know, Brother Ramsey, they did a great job, but somebody had to be on the battlefield. Well, guess who it was on the battlefield in Exodus chapter number 17? Uh, that was the one with the sword in his hand uh, that was battling on the battlefield. Uh, it was a man by the name of Joshua. A lot of times he don't get the recognition that he deserves. Uh, can I make just a practical application out of that right there for just a, just a second? It's not the primary interpretation, but can I make a practical application? Uh, I believe that we can see Joshua as a picture of our younger people in the church, uh, even the younger adults in our church uh, that on the battlefield working. And I believe we can use Aaron and her as a picture of our senior citizens in the church. You know why? They may not can go down on the battlefield like they once did, but they can pray for their man of God and they can hold the arms of their man of God up. You see, what I'm saying is this. Everybody has a place in the service of God. A lot of times we'll get in our minds, you know, well, I can't do this or I can't do that. And I'll never forget, some of y'all will remember this, but back over in the old building one night, we had one of those popcorn services where people was testifying and bragging on God. And I'll never forget Miss Kay Gallion, Brother Wade's wife, that is at home in heaven today. She stood up. Matter of fact, she didn't even stand up. She couldn't hardly. And here's what she said. She said, Preacher, I've decided not to focus on what I can't do and just focus on what I can do. You know what, Aaron and her may, I don't know, I don't know, maybe they couldn't make it down to the battlefield, but what they could do was hold the man of God's arms up. You may not can do what you once did, but focus on what you can do and realize there is a place for everybody on the team at Amazing Grace Baptist Church, amen. So Joshua, man, he's so involved in the life of Moses, and a lot of times we don't give him the credit that he deserves. But Joshua is not who I'm preaching about today. I just wanted to tell you something about him because it's in the book of Joshua. So Joshua now takes over and after he takes over we find out that Joshua begins to lead the children of Israel into Canaan's land. Man, 40 years ago they could have walked into Canaan's land but they didn't do that. And whenever they begin to go into Canaan's land in chapter number 14 they're going to divide it out and a man by the name of Caleb shows up on the scene. Now we know him because in chapter 13 and 14 of the book of Numbers we 
read about him there also. Whenever you begin to read about him in chapter 13 and 14 of Numbers, you'll find this out about the man Caleb. There were several things that you can find out, but let me mention a couple and then we'll move on. He was a thorough believer. He followed the Lord fully in chapter 14 of Numbers in verse number 24. He was a courageous witness for he would not listen to the popular voice in chapter 13. He was a separated saint for he was of another spirit in chapter number 14. He was a prompt actor because he said this in chapter 13, let us go up at once and possess the land. He was a confident man because he said this in verse 30 of chapter 13 of Numbers, we are well able to overcome. You see, he was confident in what the Lord wanted him to do. He was a persecuted servant because you'll find this in chapter 14. The people wanted to stone him and Joshua. And whenever you began to look at his life, you'll find that he stayed confident and you'll find that he stayed faithful and you'll find that he wholly followed God. And at the end of his life, God's going to reward him for his faithfulness. I thought about this whenever we study the Word of God and we study the different characters throughout the Word of God. You'll find that a lot of times in the Bible these men generally had one particular trait that set them apart. When you think about Moses, Moses was the man of meekness. Abraham was the man of separation. Elijah was the man of courage. Joseph was the man of purity. John was the man of love. Peter was the man of zeal. But Caleb was a man of faith and believed God for the mountain that day. He said, give me the mountain. Caleb said, I'm not going to be satisfied anywhere else. I'm not going to be satisfied doing anything else. I'm not going to be satisfied and complacent and content of just sitting here in the valley. There's something so much more. God has more for me. God's got something else for me. Hear me and hear me well this morning. It's not time. I know I've been preaching this for two weeks but I'm going to keep preaching it till God says quit preaching it. It's not time to be complacent. It's not time to sit still. Hey God has done a work in our hearts and God has done a work in our lives and what we must do today is look at the mountain. You say what mountain are you talking about? I'm talking about souls dying and going to the devil's hell. I'm talking about saved people that no longer in church and we must say this as Caleb did Lord give me the mountain Lord give me the mountain I thought about this Brother Gray I was studying this and I thought about this in verse number 14 or verse number 13 of our text chapter 14 of Joshua Joshua blessed him and gave unto him or unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb. So let me slow down for a minute and mention a couple of things. Now I'm headed somewhere. I'm going to lay a big foundation, set a little house on it, we'll go home. Why Hebron? You ever thought about that? Evidently not because of the way y'all look at me. You're looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. Why Hebron, Brother Tim? But out of all the places that he could have had, why Hebron, Brother Blake? Why did he want Hebron? Evidently, that's a place that he wanted because that's the place that he got. 
Well, here's what I found out about Hebron, man. Hebron's a very interesting place. Here's what I found out about it. Hebron was the highest point on the Judean mountains, ascending 3,000 feet above sea level. You could see much of the promised land from Hebron. To the west, 40 miles, was the deep blue Mediterranean Sea. Much of the pasture for the cattle was on this side. To the north, 18 miles, was the city of Jerusalem. To the south was the pasture land for the sheep. To the east was the Jordan Desert, which guarded them from the enemy's invasion. The view of the east from Hebron was a yellowish wilderness ascended by the blue of the Dead Sea. Beyond the Dead Sea, you could see the reddish-violet mountains of Moab. Not only did the desert protect them, but Hebron was also provided um, with, or Hebron also provided dry caves to hide in. Hebron was a place of fruitfulness. Whenever I began to study it, here's what I found out. Terence's was built on the slopes of the mountains for farming. The upland valley with rich fertile soil and fine turf yielded corn, fig trees, cherry trees, pomegranates, grape orchards and olive groves on the west slope. Hebron was not easily accessible because of the height. It was easier to defend than the other areas. She said, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Hebron was a very special place, man. Think about this. Hebron represented the highest inheritance of Caleb. It was the choice spot in the land. Caleb wanted it for it was the best. Hebron reveals God has a good, God has a better, and God has a best for our life. Many are content, listen to me, many are content with the good in their Christian life. Many are content with the good in their Christian life. The minority chooses the best and one of many decides to claim God's best for their life. The better is the greatest enemy to the best. Can I say that to you again? The better is the greatest enemy to the best. You know what, if we're not careful, here's what we'll say this morning. Boy, this is a whole lot better than what we used to have. Boy, we've got room this morning. This is a whole lot better. We're not all crunched up this morning. It's a whole lot, but is it the best? Is it the best? You know what Caleb could have said once he crossed over the Jordan, once they got into Canaan's land, Caleb could have said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fix me a pot of coffee. I'm going to sit here by the river. I'm going to watch the cattle run around. He's 85 years old. He could have said, I'm going to watch my grandbabies and my great-grandbabies walk around. But that's not what Caleb said. Caleb said, Hebron's right over there. And Hebron's a whole lot better place. Oh, this is a good place. This is even a better place. Oh, but I'm interested in the best. Hear me and hear me well. I'm just not interested in us doing good. I'm just not interested in us doing better. Oh, but I'm interested in having the best. I want the best. I want the best. I want the best for my marriage. Somebody say amen. 
I want the best for my children. Somebody say amen. I want the best for our church. Everybody holler amen right there. The very best. Why did Caleb decide to do that? Because Caleb wanted the best. Now understand something. For him to have the best, for him to have the best, hear me right here, for him to have the best, he was going to take a battle. For him to have the best, he was going to take a battle. See, Brother Randy, so many times, we're content with good because there's not many battles at good. Everybody okay this morning? There's not many battles at good. I'm not interested in good. I want the best. I thought about this. The best, the best, the best, with the best, comes a big growl from the devil, though. Noah had trials in the ark but was saved. Moses had trials in Egypt but was used of God to deliver and free his people and cross the Red Sea. The three Hebrew boys faced the fiery furnace but enjoyed the miracle of God while inside the fiery furnace. They enjoyed God's protection, God's promotion, and they saw their enemies destroyed. Jesus went through the suffering of the cross to redeem us from our sin but provided an atonement for our eternal life. I'll show you one more thing about Hebron then I'll preach to you, okay? I'm watching the time. Hebron also, I believe, that we can see is a picture of heaven. I believe we can see Hebron as a picture of heaven. Here's what I found out about it. The springs of Solomon are here. A pipeline was built from Hebron to the Temple Mount. Water was used in the laver where the priests cleansed themselves for daily service. From heaven came Jesus Christ whose blood cleanses us from all sin. From heaven came the word of God which cleanses and affects our hearts and transforms us into what we need to be. You see, Hebron was just not good. Hebron was the best. You know what he said? Here's what he said. And I'm going to preach to you for about 10 minutes and we'll go home. He said, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want the best. Caleb, 85 years old. 85. Now, you know what? That, that just, don't nobody throw nothing at me, but he's not a spring chicken no more. He's 85 years old. The pastor I preached for last night, 67. And we was talking, we was, uh, it, it was actually a senior citizens banquet and um, it was hilarious. Man, I don't have time to go into all of it. But anyway, we were sitting there and here's what he said. He said, preacher, things are not the same as they used to be. He said, I don't have the patience that I once had. He said, you change as you get older. And I said, oh, I know, I've got a daddy. He said, you change as you get older. But Brother Brian, I'm not before almost 45 and I'm already learning the patience I once had. Brother Josh, I just don't have it like I once did. He's 85 years old. Caleb spied out the land. Are you with me? 45 years ago, 40, 45 years ago, he spied out the land. Caleb's already walked through Canaan. Caleb's already said we're well able to possess the land. Caleb makes it into that place. And you know what, Caleb? Let's just be honest. We'd all say this. Caleb's got the right, Brother Matt, to just kick back and watch everything happen. 
But brother Ted, Caleb was not satisfied with just kicking back and watching everything happen. He's 85 years old, and he says, you know what? 40 years ago, God promised me something, and God's promises has not changed. And even though the battle may come with it, even though hardship may come with it, even though hard work may come with it, with the help of God, I'm going to Hebron, man. I'm going to the mountain. Four things about Caleb. Number one, he was committed. He was committed. I told you I was going to build a big foundation said a little house. He was committed. You know, that's something that we don't know much about today. Somebody said, boy, they give me a big bottle this morning. I guess they want me to preach a while today. I usually get a little bitty 20-minute bottle. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. Yeah, boy, we got about two hours this morning. He was committed. You know, a lot of people are not committed today. A lot of people's not committed. Now, don't nobody fall out with a preacher right here, but I'm just going to go ahead and preach on a couple of things while I'm on committed. I, I, I was in a place last week, and we was having a conversation about marriage. And I say something, and I said, for better or for worse, till death do us part. Hey, man, preacher. I said, for better or for worse, till death do us part. There's no commitment no more. People get married, and they go into marriage with a plan B. Well, if this don't work out, I'll do this. And you know me, if you're divorced sitting here this morning, you know I'm not against you. Uh, don't you let the devil take that and put that in your, you know that, you know that. But the very best for our life is commitment. Commitment. Man, they're young people. I, I mean, you know, there's people today that's 27 years old still in college trying to figure out what they want to be when they grow up. You know each other the reason a lot of young people don't enter into a serious dating relationship and talk about marriage anymore because of commitment. You know me tell <laughs> you know me tell you the reason I, I, I may I should have pulled two or three up here and preached to them for just a while. You know me tell you the reason I'm just going to say it the way the preacher said it when I was growing up. You know me tell you the reason people shack up today because they don't want no commitment. They don't want to be committed to nothing. You know what Caleb was? Caleb said, hey, I'm interested in the very best that I can have. And the only way I can have the very best is to be committed. What did the Bible say? The Bible said this in verse number 8 of chapter number 14 of our text. He wholly followed the Lord. He said this in verse number 9. Thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Here's what he said in verse number 14. Because that thou wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. You know what he done? He said, God, whatever it is you have for my life, that's what I'm interested to and I'm committing myself to you. I'm committing my life to you. I'm committing every bit of me to you. God, help us to be committed today. You mean, <laughs> Heath will preach tonight and y'all shout. Our dedication revival starts next week. Help is on the way. Just hold on a little longer. Let me tell you the reason a lot of people won't sign up to do something at the church. Takes commitment. Takes commitment. Let me tell you the reason a lot of people don't want to teach Sunday school. Takes commitment. Let me tell you the reason a lot of people don't want to don't want to work in a while is Brother Ramsey because it takes commitment. Let me tell you. 
You say, preacher, why do we do sign-up sheets on everything? Because usually if you'll put your name down, there's a little bit of commitment that goes with that. Caleb said, man, I want the mountain. And Caleb's going to get the mountain by the end of the message. But it took commitment in Caleb's life. May we not be half-hearted Christians. You know what, if the church doors is open, we ought to have that as our excuse to miss everything else. Not everything else is an excuse to miss church. Commitment, man. You say, well, preacher, I'm interested in the best. Are you really interested in the best? Because the best will take commitment. Number one, he was committed. Number two, watch this. He was confident. He was confident. A lot of people get confidence and arrogance mixed up. He was confident. Look what the Bible said. Man, I love this book. Look what the Bible said, chapter number 14, verse number 10 of our text. Here's what he said. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. He said, you want me to tell you the only reason I'm here? Because God... He said, I'm 85 years old, and the only reason I still got breath in my lungs, because God. Let me tell you the only reason you're here today, because God. We complicate this book so much and miss so many profound truths. He said, I'm here and I'm alive because God. He said, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. As he said, these 40 and 5 years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and eighty-five. Eighty-five. He's fourscore and five. That means eighty-five. Watch this, verse number 11. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For were both to go out and to come in. Now, look at your next verse. Not everything is wrote down that he said right there. I think he probably said more than that. I think he said, now Joshua, listen to me. You hear me and you hear me right, right good and real good and, and write this down in your little black book, Joshua. Give me the mountain. He's the first to ask. He can have anything he wants and he chooses the hardest place but the most rewarding place. Man, he's confident. I thought about this verse, Brother Jacob. He which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it. Amen. You know what that means? It means God will finish what God started in your life. I want to say something to you today. You say, preacher, why are you interested in the mountain? I'm interested in the mountain because I know what's up there. And I know that it'll take commitment to get there. But I also know that God is able. How greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. He was confident, man. He was confident. He was confident. I could preach 10 hours. Watch this. Number three. He was courageous. He was courageous. So I'm going to tell you something. When you shook hands with old Caleb, you knew you'd shook hands with a man. And let me just say something to you boys. When somebody shakes your hand, put your hand in their hand and shake it. Don't. Don't be limp-wristed. 
Say amen, Brother Charles. That's right. I'm preaching good, ain't I? When you shake hands with somebody, shake hands with them, boys. Amen. You say, well, I want a fist bump. I've never done a transaction off of a fist bump. Somebody say amen. It was a handshake. You shook hands, Brother Ted. That's what, hey, when somebody shook your hand and said something, you didn't need it wrote down. You didn't need it notarized where I came from. That was a done deal. When you shook hands with Caleb, you knew you were shaking hands with a man. He was courageous, buddy. We got a Oh, Lord, help us this morning. We got a bunch of lip-wristed sissies walking around today. Bunch of boys that's, that's, that, that I tell you exactly what they need. They need to be took out behind the woodshed. That's what they need. And mama God help you if daddy tries to make a young man out of your boy and you fuss at him. Somebody holler amen to the preacher this morning. Teach them boys to be courageous. It's all right if they bloody each other's nose every once in a while. Amen. You say, did you really? I really just said that. You know what? They wasn't a such thing as bullying when I went to school. Somebody bumped them gums about twice and then them gums got swelled up. Somebody say amen. And you know what we did after that, Brother Caleb? We shook hands and went and got a square piece of pizza together in the cafeteria. He was courageous, man. He would go after it. Caleb's 85 years old, and here's what he says. I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago. God still is good today as he was then. He's not changed. I want the best, man. I want the best. He was courageous. Man, get some tenacity about you and be courageous about what God has given you to do. We have allowed, <laughs> I'm in this deep, I might as well preach a while this morning. We have allowed the liberal, the liberal news and the liberal left side to make us run and get in a cave and hide. Hear me and hear me well. When you study the word of God, the Baptist had a heart of compassion making a difference. And I did say Baptist because I think they was Baptist, but they had a heart of compassion making a difference. And here's what they did. They stood for what they believed in. You know what? My daddy wouldn't let me listen to this kind of music, but I heard it one day because I was riding with my mama. <laughs> Old fella come on the radio and said this. Well, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. It's good preaching this morning, ain't it? I ain't saying I agree with the singer, but I don't agree with everybody that sings anyway. I said, you got to stand for something, man. He was courageous. He took a stand. He said, hey, man, 40 years ago, God promised this to me, and I'm not going to sit down. I'm not going to back up, man. I'm going after it. Going after it. He was courageous. He was confident. He was committed. Here, I'm done. 
he was one minute after, one minute after um, 12. Here's what he was. He was conquering. He was conquering. He conquered what he went after. He conquered. In other words, he was successful. He was successful. You say, preacher, you know, we just need to be careful. You know, we don't want the community to think this or the community to think that. Preacher, we just got to, no, you know what my plans are? To pack this building out and build another one. But Randy, that's my plans. To pack it out, build another one. You say, well, preacher, what's the community going to say? I don't care what the community says. I know what we are. I know what we believe. We've not changed what this church was founded on in 1985. We're still preaching the King James Bible. We're still singing the old hymns of Zion. We're still knocking on doors. We're still supporting world missions. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep doing all of that because for the past 20 some years it's been working. And you know what? The next 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 Brother Gray, it will still be working. He succeeded. He conquered. What are you believing God for today? What are you believing God for today? Let me show you something. Chapter 13 or chapter 14, verse number 13 and 14. The Bible said in verse number 14, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb. He conquered it. Chapter 15, verse number 13 says this. And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even to the city of uh, Abar, the father of Anak, which is the city of Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak. You know what he done? He succeeded in what God had in him to do. i tell you the reason a lot of people never move past where they're at, they have no goals to go any further. They have no goals to go any further. Let me tell you the reason, and, and please don't nobody get upset with me. There's nothing wrong with sweeping the floor down at the factory, but you ought to have plans to go past that. You ought to have plans to go past that. There's nothing. Conquering. Conquering, man. Succeeding. When you study, come start playing softly. Give them some hope. When you study this out, here's what I found out. Joshua, Joshua, not Joshua, Caleb. Caleb, in chapter number 14, verse number, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb. Chapter number 15, he drives them out. But I want to show you something. Chapter number 15, if you've got your Bible open, look at verse number 63. Here's what the Bible says, and I promise you I'm right now done. As for the Jebusites, the inheritance of Jerusalem the children of Judah could not drive them out. Verse number 10 of chapter number 16. And they drave not out the Canaanites. Chapter number 17, verse number 12. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities. Verse number 13. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxing strong, that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. 
the man who wholly followed God, the man who wholly followed God was the only one who wholly was victorious in the fight. He's the only one in Joshua. The rest of them says things like this. They did not fully drive them out. They did not. In other words, in other words, they got the good. Some of them maybe even got the better. But Joshua was the only, I mean Caleb was the only one that got the best. He was the only one. He was the only one that hit that plateau. Let me tell you the reason why, Brother Joe, here's the reason why. Because he was committed. He was committed. Let me tell you the reason why. Because he was confident. Let me tell you the reason why. Because he was a courageous man. He went after it. He went after it. He went after it. Can I ask you another question this morning? I've already asked it, but let me ask you again. What are you believing God for? Say, preacher, what do you believe in God for? You couldn't handle it if I told you. You say, preacher, you ought not be like that. Well, I'm just being honest with you. I'm not, hey, look, I'm just fixing to turn 45. Caleb was 85 and still going. You know what that might mean? That might mean if God don't come back, you might have 40 more years of old John slobbering and a-kicking and a-running around. He's 85, man. At 85, Brother Teddy was still believing God. Still believing God could use him. He's still believing God would allow him to have the very best. You say, preacher, why do you preach the way you do? Here's the reason why. I want you to have the very best. Let me tell you where the very best starts at. Here's where the very best starts at. Is when you realize that your very best will never be good enough. And that you realize that without Christ, you're going to do nothing but die and go to a devil's hell. When you come to the point that you realize that you've got to die to yourself, that you've got to die to yourself and be raised a new man in the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation is the start of the very best in your life. Then we can go to sanctification. Then we can go to our supplication. Then we can go to on and on and on. But it all starts with salvation. So I ask you a question this morning. Number one, if you're saved, what do you believe in God for? Are, are you just going to be satisfied where you're at? Hey, Awana teacher, are you satisfied where you're at? If you are, it's time to give you class up. If you're satisfied where your class is at, it's time to give it up. Sunday school teacher, if you're satisfied where your class is at, it's time to give it up. I heard the closing of Brother Stan's um, uh, lesson this morning. He said, man, it sure is good to see so many sitting in Sunday school this morning. But Brother Stan, what if it looked like this in Sunday school? What do you believe in God for, number one? You could say, number two, if you're not saved, I'll tell you the greatest day of your life is going to be finding your place in an altar letting somebody take a Bible and show you how you can be saved. And then at that point, you can start learning about what is the very best for your life. Father.